Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hello and welcome to episode 97 of the Farm Traveler podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Williams, and today on the show, we're going to learn a thing or two about milk production and what it takes to start a creamery. So our guest today is Dale Ede from Southern Craft Creamery in Mariana, Florida. So I'm up here in the Florida Panhandle, grew up in Bluntstown. So Mariana is kind of like 30 minutes away. And I spent, if I wasn't in Bluntstown, I was probably in Mariana. And so Southern Craft Creamery is a really popular um, hometown grown creamery. And I've had friends and family go there that say they love it. And I was like, you know what? Let's have Dale on the show and learn more about their creamery. In our interview, Dale's going to talk to us about how he and his family started in dairy, um, how they got into that business, which that's a whole other ballpark. I mean, running a dairy farm is hard enough. Imagine then starting up a creamery. And so we'll talk about how they transitioned from working in the dairy to starting a creamery in Mariana and kind of the struggles of that, what kind of struggles they had when they started the business. Um... And also, this is a really neat thing that Dale brought up. He finds a lot of benefits with working in a retail shop like that with their creamery where they can talk with consumers day in and day out and tell them, oh yeah, this is how the milk is made, this is how the ice cream is made, and how it's a really cool educational moment for them, uh, which I think is super cool. And then we'll talk how the communities received it. And um, you know, in 2018, we've talked about it a lot. On the show, Hurricane Michael hit North Florida and it was pretty darn bad. And he'll talk to us about how that impacted the creamery and how Southern Craft Creamery was able to kind of give back to that community in Mariana, which had a lot of damage um, from that hurricane. So, yeah, this is a great episode. Um, we're almost to episode 100. Do me a favor if you want to send me a question that I will answer in our 100th episode, which is in just three weeks, in the description of this podcast, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, whatever. If you want to send me a question, 
click that solo link in the description and that will take you to our page, um, which has a bunch of links like to our website, to our YouTube channel and stuff like that. Click on the little mail icon and it will open up your mail app on your phone and you can then email me a question. So uh, I would love to hear your question about food, agriculture, farming, tech, um, podcasting, whatever. Let me know. E uh, you can even go on Instagram and DM me. Let me know of a question. So I'm going to try to get a great big number of questions for our 100th episode in a few weeks. So yeah, uh, this was a really fun podcast with Dale. Really cool to learn about Southern Craft Creamery. As soon as Allie and I can, we are going to go up to Mariana and try some ice cream. So yeah, enjoy it. This is episode 97 with Dale Ede from Southern Craft Creamery in Mariana, Florida. All right. Well, Dale Ede from Southern Craft Creamery. How are you doing? Great. How are you, Tom? I'm doing good. So I'm excited to talk with you. You are, you've got a creamery in Mariana, Florida. So I'm from Bluntstown. So Mariana was like my neck of the woods. I would go up there all the time. And so I'm excited to kind of chat with you about the creamery and the dairy. But kind of before we dive into that, tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of a background of yourself. Sure. Um, a, a lifelong dairy farmer. Um, you know, started started uh, out of college uh, and and working for a large uh, dairy farm in uh, Monticello, and eventually got into kind of a sweat equity deal there and owned a small portion of it. Uh, the, the The family uh, was a family uh, owned farm. They they decided that uh, uh, they were getting to the point where they wanted to do something different. And of course, with a minority sweat equity only, uh, didn't didn't have anything to say, nor should I have anything to say about whether or not they were going to exist into the future. So at that point, my uh, my my immediate family and I, my wife and two young daughters, uh, moved uh, closer toward family. We have family in Pensacola. We moved that direction and uh, began farming on our own, bought a few cows and struggled and kicked and scratched our way and, and uh, uh, to a point where uh, in about 19, or 2002, uh, we ended up uh, buying a uh, piece of ground, building a facility and uh, moved to our current location where we milk about uh, 300 to 320 cows uh, twice a day, every day. Our uh, oldest daughter, um, and son-in-law came back to farm with us in uh, late 2009, maybe early 2010. Um, we, um, Cindy and I have forever been thinking about and looking for just the right fit for us and doing a value-added product. And um, so as it turned out, uh, we kind of stumbled upon one that we thought would work for us made the pitch to our younger daughter and son-in-law to come back and crank it up for us. And uh, we're here today. Uh, youngest daughter and son-in-law have, have moved on, are still part of the business, still part of the uh, active uh, strategic management of the business, but uh, uh, doing something different in a different state. So uh, the old folks moved from the farm to the creamery and the young folks took over the green, uh, the farm. So that's where we are today. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, so so what are some of those beginning struggles you guys faced? I mean, I know farming's hard. Dairy farming is even harder. I mean, you've got to take cows to take care of. You've got to make sure the milk is good. So what were some of those beginning struggles you guys faced? 
Well, as a, as a farm, uh, it's just simply how, how can we pay bills, right? Yeah. Uh, you, you know, we're selling a commodity, and it's priced like a commodity. Um, that was one of the reasons that we always desired to get into a value-added product where we could actually be a price setter rather than just a price taker. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that has, has happened, but uh, at least on a small scale. Um, but struggles with the farm are, are constant and daily. Um, you know, it, it's, just, it's just kind of a wild ride. It's a great, great way to make a living. It's a terrible way to earn an income. <laughs> that's a pretty good way to put it. I like that. But uh, other than that, you know, the struggles of the creamery are are unique in themselves. I, I would say the biggest uh, struggle, if 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 not struggle, the biggest uh, kind of roadblock or or, or uh, interesting thing is is you really have to develop a brand new set of skills and baseline knowledge about a very similar industry, but a very different business in actually manufacturing and turning that raw commodity product into a finished product and then presenting it to, uh, to the community and, and consumer. I like that. That's a good point. And I know, I think in Florida, the largest purchaser of milk is Publix. And so who do you guys sell your milk to? Actually, uh, we sell through a milk marketing cooperative, and, and the majority of milk in the state of Florida is sold through a one of many milk marketing cooperatives. But then in turn, those cooperatives have contracts with uh, the publics of the world, the Walmarts of the world, um, the uh, processors that, that, that process just a little bit of everything. Um, relative to dairy. So we're kind of one step removed from directly selling to Publix. We sell to a cooperative who sells to Publix. Right. Okay. Gotcha. And so I know that there's a couple of dairies in North Florida. There's two in Bluntstown. Um, There's a couple, I think, in Mariana, like you guys. So what's that whole dairy industry like in North Florida? I mean, I know the further down you go in Florida, Central Florida, South Florida, there's dairies galore. So what's that like up there in North Florida? Well, it, it used to be Darius Galore. Um, mm-hmm. When we moved into the, the to, to this part of the Panhandle, into Mariana in, in uh, uh, the late uh, 1900s, um, <laughs> we, uh, there were close to 70 dairies in the three-county area of, of uh, uh, Holmes, Jackson, Washington, well, I guess four county areas, and, and Calhoun counties. Um, today, there's about three. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's typical all over the state of Florida and all over the United States. Uh, more and more small farms are, are, are getting out because of the, the price uh, disparity and, and actually be, be because of the economies of scale. Larger farms are able to milk more cows, and while they may or may not have a larger margin, they just have more cows and therefore more margin and able to do things that small farms are not. Um, so it becomes really difficult for, for small farms to, uh, to exist. 
and we've seen um, oh, the state of Florida has less than a hundred now uh, active dairy farms. I believe it. Yeah, it's slowly dwindling. Um, so I found you guys through kind of two means. First on Instagram, which is where I find a lot of our guests, and then a lot of my friends and family were like, "Hey, you need to interview Southern Craft Creamery in Mariana." And so. What was the inspiration behind opening up that creamery? Because, I mean, it seems like the feedback for that has been really positive. It's been been phenomenal. We've been uh, shocked and surprised. Uh, my father is 96, um, and, and he continually tells me, you know, be careful what you wish for. It might come true. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we had hoped that we would be received well, and we have been. So we started out as a wholesale business only. We're manufacturing ice cream, uh, selling it to other people to resell. And, uh, and that worked very well for us. Uh, we knew absolutely nothing about retail. Uh, we hadn't sold anything retail in our lives. So, so that was kind of scary. Um, and we didn't want to go there. And we also felt like if we're going to uh, jump into this brand new venture, which we know really very little about, um, what's the uh, what's the path of least resistance and if we can sell you know several larger customers you know kind of on a wholesale side uh that we could kind of get our feet wet kind of figure things out and 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 go from there turns out that 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 worked very very well for us we didn't have a fancy facility that, that people could see we were kind of hidden and uh certainly we had a a very clean facility but uh, it was an old peanut warehouse that we retro retrofitted um, to manufacture ice cream. And uh, it worked very well. We then got the push uh, from our local community uh, who wanted a place to buy the ice cream that we were selling, you know, that we were traveling down to uh, 30A in South Walton County and selling. And they'd stumble down there and find, well, heck, this is in our back door. Um, so, so we, uh, we finally succumbed to that pressure, and, uh, and we've had opportunities and, and did then to, to open retail spaces uh, in, in way heavily more populated areas than ours um, with way different uh, socioeconomic uh, kind of character. But we decided that if you do what we're doing at home, you shouldn't go do it anywhere else. So, so we actually opened, uh, act, moved our production capabilities to the same building that now is our retail shop. So we kind of, we make ice cream in the back uh, through uh, what are kind of antique windows and allow people up front in our retail space to just kind of stand and watch and point and drool and all that good stuff. So uh, it's worked out very, very well. The community has has kind of wrapped their arms around us as we have always kind of wrapped our arms around them. And, and hopefully we've got a, a relationship together that, that uh, when the community needs us, we're there and we need the community. They're there as well. Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, did you guys have any growing pains where you're trying to get word out there about the creamery and trying to just kind of get used to that whole real side the, or the whole retail side of it? Sure. You know, we, we, we didn't, as I said, really didn't have a clue what we were doing. So we kind of started when we, when we opened the retail space, we, we did it um, kind of very sneakily and just had some, some kind of happenstance openings uh, so that we could kind of 
test the water. And uh, we'd open for one afternoon and, you know, might see somebody walk by and we'd coerce them to come in and try it. And, and uh, yeah, if we got three or four people that day, uh, that'd be great. And I guess, I guess that's what you call a soft opening. And uh, we did that for three or four days. And then we, we'd sit back and close for three or four days and kind of figure out what we did wrong. And uh, that tended to work pretty well for us. And then uh, about three years ago in uh, February, uh, we, we cranked up and put real hours up on the door and, and, uh, and haven't, uh, the community hasn't looked back since. They have been fantastic. We have a lot of local support. We have a lot of out-of-town support. We got people that will, you know, Google, we're going to get ice cream as they're traveling down US 231 or, or uh, I-10 and uh, just drive in from wherever. And then the, the word of mouth from our wholesale business, especially down in the, the uh, touristy areas of South Walton County, uh, have served us well. People going home uh, from there will stop by and people going down there will stop by. So it's been great. Yeah, the, I mean, you guys are kind of in a perfect location. I mean, as they go down to Seaside, Rosemary Beach, that area, I mean, if they're going east, they're going to get on I-10 probably, and you guys are just right off of I-10 in Mariana, and so that seems like it's a perfect little location. It's worked really well, and and I have always been a proponent of, of you know, dumb luck is way better than great planning. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Dumb luck. I like that. I like that. So I know the North Florida area, kind of going off on a little different subject, a few years ago we had a little thing called Hurricane Michael, and that kind of threw a wrench in everybody's plan. So, I mean, Category 5 hurricane, how did that affect you guys with not only the creamery but also the cows? Yeah, it was it was, uh, it was fun, <laughs> uh, tongue-in-cheek. Um, we we kind of split up, kind of walk you through the storm day. Uh, we split up, uh, my wife and I, Cindy, uh, have a very, very small uh, camper, uh, motorhome that uh, we, we say, you know, if you, you, you got to have lots of butter if you stay in there long together to kind of squeak by each other. <laughs> but, uh, we brought it up to the, to the creamery. Um, uh, my, my kids stayed on a house on the farm, uh, Megan, Brad, Austin, uh, and primarily so that we, we have generators in both spots, but don't have automatic transfer switches. So when power goes off, we have to manually crank the generator, transfer over to, to the generator, and then, you know, make sure things are cool. And, uh, we did that the entire time of the storm. We communicated as much as we could. Uh, later on, we, we actually uh, got a hold of some satellite phones that, that helped us out, uh, but we were never without power. Um, we, we took a, a, you know, the, the eye, as it did over Bluntstown, I'm sure, uh, you know, came right over the top of us. I think we were kind of on the western uh, side of the eye, uh, but we got a lot of eye here at the, the creamery. Now, the farm is just six miles north of the creamery. And they never got the eye. They just kind of stayed in the eye wall the whole time. Uh, so damage to the creamery was minimal. Had some roof damage and some fence and stuff, but we were operational. Uh, we could make ice cream the next day if we chose. We, in fact, didn't choose to. But uh, uh, just as soon as kind of the road was clear enough for people to start walking around in, in, in shock and, and awe, um, we had our doors open and we probably gave away more coffee and ice cream for the next couple of weeks than we ever sold. But 
that's what the community needed and we wanted to be able to do that uh on the farm um you know trees we hauled off hundreds of loads of trees and never came close to what you know is down we've still got piles everywhere and of course you know if you're a farmer and you have cattle every tree lands on a fence so <laughs> fences were non-existent uh we didn't miss one milking and we did so on purpose that the night of the storm um uh, my, my daughter and son-in-law were we were visiting and and i said you know cows didn't make a lot of milk today they didn't eat a lot they were kind of hunkered down like we were um let's don't milk tonight we're going to be needing lots of sleep or try to sleep because we're not going to sleep much for the next couple weeks and uh so we actually skipped one milking but other than that never missed a milking um you know we, we lost some cows some cows were kind of bedded down in wooded areas and we had uh, five cows that were killed uh, by falling trees but other than that we, we really escaped rather well well that's good to hear and i mean that's really interesting about the you you gave away a lot of more ice cream and coffee you did and i mean i'm sure that was something kind of like a comfort item that everybody needed in that community because i mean everybody had varying degrees of hardship or damage that they had so i'm sure that kind of brought everybody together and they i mean i bet they appreciated that a lot well they did they said they did and it was it was fun to do uh you know we had uh we had power nobody else had power <laughs> uh you know it was it, it was warm that october and uh, people were hot and uh, we had air conditioning um so you know early on it was a it was great you know after about two weeks of that uh people would drive by we'd we, anybody working at the farm and we had people from all over the state and country come to help us clean up and uh you know the the creamery became the place to go eat you know we, we've got you know, gas stoves, we've got freezers, you know, we, we can, we can prepare meals, uh, not something that the dairy division, uh, you know, our, our regulatory, uh, group would want us to do every day, but, uh, and we're certainly not licensed to do that, but we didn't sell it. We gave it away. <laughs> yeah. They <laughs> uh, became the go-to place. Now, you know, if we were sitting out in the courtyard, uh, relaxing, having you know a, a great dinner, and somebody comes by that doesn't have power at home. We had a few angry folks say things, you know, why do you have power and I don't? Uh, but that was way, way, way the, the minority rather than the majority of folks. Most folks stopped and threw in some stuff in the pot. And we all ate together. Hey, well, there you go. Yeah, I mean, we were in Panama City, and there's just this weird sense of community afterwards. Where I remember growing up, it was like. It was like that time whenever you're a kid, the days between Christmas and New Year's where you don't know what day it is. You just know you're kind of in limbo. And that's what it was like after the storm. I mean, you didn't know what day it was. The only thing that mattered was helping out your family, your friends, or your neighbors. And I mean, it was it was a weird time, but there was such a sense of community. And so it's good to hear that, that was continuing up there in Mariana. Yeah, I agree. And, I, you know, we saw more families walking together mm. in the few days after that storm than we ever have, you know, in recent history than we've ever seen. And we, we don't see it as much today. There's still people, you know, walk today, but not like they were as family units. And, and they were basically just trying to make sure that uh, they were alive and other people were too, which yeah. was, it was great to see. 
Well, that's good. So uh, moving on from that, I have a question. When it comes to you guys making ice cream, like what all goes into that research process? Like how do you figure out what flavors you're going to make? Where do you get the recipes from? Like what all, without giving away any trade secrets, of course, but like what all goes into that whole process? Sure. Well, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a weird kind of Willy Wonka science, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, there are some real physics, some freeze physics that you have to know and understand. And we certainly didn't have those in our hip pocket. So uh, three of the four of us, my, my son-in-law, daughter and wife all attended some type. And in some cases, two or three uh, type of short course on ice cream production. Um, my daughter and son-in-law went to the University of Wisconsin for a uh, four-day course. Uh, my daughter and wife went to uh, Penn State for a two-week ice cream short course. It's the it's the longest-going ice cream and largest ice cream short course uh, in the nation and probably the world. Some 150 years old, uh, and they had you know they were there with folks uh, about a hundred plus people from all over the world learning the very basics about how ice cream freezes and what you, how you have to manipulate it in order to get it to work just right. Uh, so that was kind of the basis. Then it was just applying all that. Uh, we actually use uh, good old-fashioned arithmetic uh, to, to come up with formulas uh, because we have to have just the right amount of fat. We have to have just the right amount of, of protein, just the right amount of sugar, just the right amount of solids in the ice cream mix in order to get it to freeze, and more importantly, in order to get it scoopable when it is frozen. Uh, you know, the best ice cream we ever had, all of us, any of us, is that ice cream coming out of a freezer, you know, either a hand crank or an electric, if you're lucky, as a kid that, you know, you made homemade ice cream on Sunday afternoon. Uh, and it's great right out of that freezer at about 22 degrees. But when you freeze what little bit you got left over and go get it out of the, the uh, deep freezer or the, the, the chest freezer, you can't get a spoon in it. You can't scoop it for anything. Mm -hmm. uh, so you, you just end up shaving. It becomes shaved ice cream at that point. So knowing how to, how to manipulate you know, the science behind freezing it was was the part that we needed help with the actual uh recipe development once you got the kind of the freeze physics down uh then it's just simple math and uh and, and then then actual flavor development is really just kind of a uh kind of a reach back to everywhere you've ever been uh what flavors do you remember what flavors not ice cream but just flavors uh, and, and we're, we're not a, uh, a super slim bunch, <laughs> so <laughs> we enjoy eating and, uh, we, uh, we always pay attention, especially if you're sitting down at a, at a, at a really good chef's table, uh, pay attention to the flavor combinations that he's using, maybe not in desserts at all but in salads and entrees and, and everything, appetizers, what because there, there really aren't a whole lot of new, unique individual flavors, but how we combine them with others to make things kind of pop is what we try to pay attention to and then kind of bring it into the ice cream world and see if we can make it work there. Uh, just a really simple example. 
a, a real nice fresh salad uh, with uh, sliced strawberries and a balsamic vinegar reduction. That sounds make, pretty good. That sounds really good. <laughs> we make up balsamic strawberry ice cream mm -hmm. based on that salad. So, so there's lots of stuff that uh, you know goes on every day that you don't normally attribute to to ice cream that we try to bring in and, and give. You know, you can't make ice cream if you can't make vanilla, strawberry, and chocolate, right? No, you got to have the go-to's. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The go-to's. Uh, but then we try to bring in stuff that people don't normally think about in ice cream. Well, that, yeah, I mean, you brought up a good point. Whenever I, whenever I think back of ice cream, I really don't remember any, like, store brand. I remember my grandma making it on, like, Sunday afternoons or at the beach or something. And, I mean, that was always the best ice cream. And so, Absolutely. yeah, I haven't been to Marianne in a while. But next time I go up there, I will have to stop by and try you guys' ice cream. Need to. Come on. Oh, yeah. absolutely. So, are there any kind of – as somebody that's making milk, uh, making ice cream – do you see any kind of common misconceptions that consumers have when it comes to dairy production or ice cream production in general? I'm sure there's a lot. Well, there, there are. I, I think if there's kind of one overarching kind of theme in that, uh, I think I think consumers desperately want to know how their food is produced mm -hmm. and by whom. They really want to know the guy doing it. Or the girl doing it, um, and and they're hunting for those answers. Unfortunately, farmer, as and I, I can speak for farmers to our one. Um, we we tell ourselves we're too busy, and we're too busy, you know, taking care of cows, taking care of land, taking care of the crops, whatever it is, uh, to be bothered with that, and and that's exactly the wrong kind of attitude to have. We got to, somebody's got to sell that stuff. And if we, as the farmer who produces it, can't sell it and communicate with, with consumers, we got a problem. Mm -hmm. and, and that was kind of the, one of the main reasons that, as I said, Cindy and I had kind of searched for a value added product that, that we could do uh, and do well. Um, the, the main impetus is that is we got to talk to, to our consumers. People are desperate to know. They'll search on the Internet. And as you know, everything on the Internet is true. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Uh, uh, so there are a <laughs> lot of misconceptions and some of them just a misinterpretation of what maybe is true. And some of it just plain false. Um, you know, I, I can't tell you the number of people that come in our shop. It's a creamery. But the number of people that ask for some type of nut milk. <laughs> really? You guys almond. have any pea milk or almond milk or cashew yes, milk or yes. anything? <laughs> and, and unfortunately, every once in a while, my crudeness takes over. And uh, one particular incident we had, a, it was a Saturday. Things were kind of slow. Uh, it was one of those weeks that I you know, wish I you know, just stayed in bed. But uh, a young lady and her father came in and her father ordered some ice cream and was sitting down, you know, eating it. And, and she was trying to decide, she decided she wanted some, a coffee drink. And I think it was a latte. I, I honestly can't remember, but she said, do you, do you have any almond milk for that? And I, and I looked at her and it was just, it was one of those things. I knew what was coming out of my mouth and I knew it shouldn't, <laughs> but I said, we just can't figure out how to keep those milk machines hooked up to those little bitty almond teas. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my gosh, that's hilarious. She looked at me a little bit goofy. Her father just almost fell on the floor laughing. And then she said, I guess I deserve that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. She was, she kind of laughed around with it. That's hilarious. Really thought I'd stepped off in it really deep that time. But uh, anyway, <laughs> there's lots of stuff. The cool thing about doing this is it gives us an opportunity to answer questions people have. Mm. And, uh, you know, when we're super busy, we still stop and, and answer those questions because there's usually a line of folks behind whoever that, yeah, asking the question that have the same question. So you got kind of a, a, a captive audience. They want ice cream, but you're not going to give it to them until you tell them about this little story. Uh, so it, it works really, really well. And most of the time, it's just kind of a one and done conversation. But occasionally, you'll get somebody to go, whoa, wait, tell me more about that. And, mm-hmm. and that's, that's the real fun. Gotcha. That's that's cool. I mean, that's such a good point. You guys are, because you're you're the face of it, you guys have a retail shop. You can see consumers and you actually get to interact with them and and answer any questions they might have about ice cream, creamery, dairy, all that good stuff. Uh, go ahead. Well, well, I was going to say we, we get that opportunity wholesale as well because we're, we're a little different. Uh, from the ice cream side, we don't put any stabilizers in our ice cream and, and long part of that is uh, most commercial ice cream has some stabilizers in it that kind of hold it together in the case of heat shock. Uh, so if it gets left on a shelf uh, prior to stocking in the freezer a little too long and gets a little soft, it'll refreeze just about the same way it was before. Ours won't do that. Uh, our, the, the texture gets all wonky on us uh, because you can't refreeze it fast enough in, in, in kind of a, a typical freezer uh, to keep the texture right. So we deliver everything that we sell wholesale ourselves uh, so that we know how it's handled from the time it's uh, harvested from the cow to the time it goes into the, the uh, wholesaler's freezer. And there's no, no interruption all the way. Anyway, long story short, we were uh, stocking milk because we also sell some fluid milk. We were stocking milk in a, in a refrigerator. And then we noticed on the, the door, not displayed to the public, but kind of sitting there was a sign that said, no hormone milk. Uh-oh. And we, we took it off the door and asked the proprietor, I said, what do you use this for? She said, well, your milk doesn't have any hormones in it, does it? I said, well, of course it does. All milk has hormones in it. Um, you know, we're all biological creatures. Uh, all mammals have hormones kind of racing through their bodies, through your body, through my body. We don't have any added hormones in our milk, but to say there are no hormones in milk is wrong. And she said, well, you said it was non-homogenized, right? <laughs> and I said, yes, but that's like apples and oranges. Mm-hmm. Uh, hormones are one issue, homogenization another. While they both start with H and have an O-M in them, <laughs> they're not the same. <laughs> and so we got, you get those kind of teaching moments, even though you're, you're, you're just wholesaling, but when we're standing there stocking a dairy case, either the proprietor or employees or 
real life customers ask questions and we get to do that as well. That's a good outreach. I mean, you get to answer those questions as they pop up. That's really good. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's something that drives me nuts when people say, wait, are there homo- hormones in milk? I'm like, yes, there is. But the amount of hormones in it is astronomically lower than things like soybeans or soy sauce that you don't think twice about the hormone yeah. levels in those. Lettuce. Lettuce has estrogen levels out the roof. Mm-hmm. Yep. But nobody nobody questions that. They, they only question like meat or milk or something. They're like, wait, because this is from a living thing, it's got to be full of hormones when lettuce has much more. And yes, lettuce is also a living thing. Yeah. Yep. Very fun. Oh, yeah. So uh, kind of the last question, how exactly has COVID impacted you guys? I mean, how has it been impacting the storefront, the creamery, all that stuff? Yeah. Uh, On the farm level, only from a price range, right? Mm. Uh, No real impact. We've we've been real real fortunate. The folks that work with us at the farm are very diligent in in protecting themselves and, and us, and we, in turn, diligent in protecting them. Um, however, it, export market went to pieces. The uh, hotel hospitality part went to pieces. So when you back that much milk demand out of the system, then milk starts backing up. And I'm sure you know everybody has had an opportunity to hear about you know milk being dumped on the ground. Uh, during, not not recently, but early in the pandemic. And that's when the supply chain just simply backs up and literally there's no place for it to go. And, and, and I had another teaching moment. Someone asked me, well, why don't you just process it and give it away? And, and <clears throat> that's a great question. Who's going to pay for it? I mean, just to give it away is loss enough. But if I'm going to truck it to a processing plant, process it, package it, and then truck it to somewhere to give it away, I won't be here tomorrow to make a pint of ice cream. It's just, it's just a the, an economic incapability to do that. Um, so milk gets dumped on the ground. Uh, export market went, you know, you close all the, the uh, ports in, in all countries. Everybody shut everything down. Well, 20% of domestic milk production was exported in 2019 prior to the pandemic. That went to almost zero. So it doesn't take a whole lot of milk to, to not be sold to cause real problems price-wise. So the price crashed. Uh, other than that, not an issue. <laughs> On the creamery side, uh, we felt those same things: uh, food service, and 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 then the accessibility of retail shops that we sold to. Uh, all were impacted. Our wholesale part of the business uh, went down by about seventy percent. Uh, fortunately, our own retail uh, did very well and kind of carried us through. Uh, Folks were hunting for some place to go. Now we couldn't sit down, and we did curbside only for a while. Now it's takeout only, uh, and still is. And uh, we re- request that you wear a mask when you come in, uh, and all of those good things, which you know some people are put off by, some people aren't. Uh, but uh, our retail side has done very well, and uh, we uh, we were able to employ, keep all of the employees that we had. 
and uh, keep them gainfully and fully employed. So we feel great. Well, that's good. That's good to hear because I know so many dairies across the country have been closing down because of COVID, because things like you were saying. And so that's good. I mean, you guys are still able to, um, I mean, not only keep making milk, but also keep the creamery open and still keep serving those people in Mariana. So that's really good to hear. Thanks. We, we, uh, we worked hard at it. It wasn't easy. But, <laughs> oh, I can uh, imagine. But with great community support and great customers, we, we were able to do it. That's good. So, so what's the future looking like? What are your future goals for Southern Craft Creamery? Um, I mean, obviously keep providing people, Marianne and, and North Florida, a great product with the ice cream and the milk. So what other future goals do you guys have? Oh, you know, we, we, we just like to get to a point where we run enough milk and we, we don't use a great deal of our own milk because, you know, we're small uh, and cows produce a lot of milk. So most of our milk still goes to the commodity market through, through a cooperative to, to the publics and Walmarts of the world. Um, but I guess if, if we had kind of an overarching desire and, and, and long-term goal, that would be to match up the production uh, in the creamery mm-hmm. with production on the farm so that all of the milk we produce on the farm, we can use through a, a kind of farm-to-consumer avenue uh where we take the commodity part of it away and uh, and provide folks the highest quality we can uh at a margin that makes us money but at the same time provides them high quality for a really good price gotcha well that's not bad at all well i hope you guys kind of continue to succeed i mean i'm excited to go try your ice cream i've heard nothing but good things so i think what you guys are doing in in Mariana, North Florida is super cool. I'm always super supportive of North Florida Ag, so I'm glad you guys are here. Well, thanks. Come by anytime. We're here. Deal. Well, Dale, this has been super fun. Uh, if people want to find you guys, you're on Instagram, Southern Craft Creamery. you got a website. Uh, where else can they go to kind of see what you guys are doing and stay up to date uh, with anything going on? Yeah, we're on Facebook, the website, Instagram. I think we do a Twitter occasionally. Uh, and, and those are obviously things I don't do because I'm old as dirt. Uh, <laughs> but we have people that know how. Uh, so uh, we, we appreciate that. And then, you know, the big, this best and biggest thing is just stop by, sit down. We'll have some coffee or ice cream and, and maybe uh, something different in the future. <laughs> Deal. Well, you never know. Well, perfect. Well, Dale, thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. Yes, sir, Trevor. Thank you. Have a great day.